0: Bubos, lice, fleas. Today we are talking disease in this episode of The Barstool History. Welcome everybody. Welcome back to the Lion's Arms Tavern, our digital tap room, in the cloud. I'm here once again with Tim and Good Ed. This time, Tim is actually uh, we're actually sharing the same physical space. Uh, Ed, I'm very once happy Again, is uh, joining us via a stream of ones and zeros. It's been an eventful two weeks here in uh, in New York uh, since Ebola arrived in our in our town and um Tim and I being the New York contingent uh it's very much on our mind. We're both of us are daily riders of the 6th train, the most crowded train in the whole system. Uh I've been coughed on a couple of times in the past uh, couple of weeks. I've been coughed on,
1: threatened <laughs> um,
0: propositioned. Yeah. So because disease is very much on our mind, we're going to talk today about disease in history.
2: Boy, this is uh, a, just a naked click-baiting uh, episode, isn't it? Oh, it
0: is. It's very much click baiting. And also, uh, uh, New York pandering.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the, best, the best kind of pandering in the world! Oh, yes.
0: Exactly. It is the best, uh, you know. If you're going to pander to one metropolitan area, uh, why, not? why not pander to... To New York.
1: Start spreading the news. Yeah.
0: Start spreading the
1: germs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm
1: bleeding today. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: yes. A couple of months ago, I, I actually, on, on on a single day, I, I was nearly thrown up on by two separate people uh, on the train. Once on my morning commute and, and once on my evening commute. Uh, so thank God Ebola was not on our minds at the time. Yes. Uh, Ebola
1: nice a game.
0: Yeah, Ebola nice a game. <laughs> That's why Giuseppe is on my bowling team. Uh, all right, well, enough nonsense. Let's talk about what we are drinking at the moment. I am drinking a nice
1: East India pale ale from the good people at uh, at Brooklyn Brewery. And I am drinking, in honor of the Black Plague, Johnny Walker Black.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm... Uh... Drinking Dogfish Head Midas Touch from their handcrafted ancient ale. Uh, it is a uh, collection. It is uh, based on the residue of a 2,700-year-old goblet uh, found in the actual King Midas' tomb. So I hope what they were drinking was supposed to be, you know, drinkable. But uh, this is <laughs> it's pretty nice. It's uh, 9%, so I'll probably go downhill pretty quickly. But... Uh, <laughs> It's it's nice and I think it's it's historical and I, I was not gonna wait for some ancient Greek episode to whip that out.
1: Gold finger He's the man, the man with the Midas touch A spider's touch.
0: So I was thinking about disease uh, the other day uh, as I was walking across uh, the nearest body of water to my house, which is the Gowanus Canal. Uh, <laughs> a few years ago, uh, seven years ago, actually, there was a great headline in our neighborhood paper, um, the Brooklyn paper, uh, with the, uh, the words, the Gowanus has the clap. <laughs> Apparently, the Gowanus uh, Canal, which is, um, uh, as you may or may not know, is one of the most polluted waterways in the country. It's uh, a, a, just a, a stinking foul ooze of a stream. Uh, some uh, graduate students tested one drop of water from the Gowanus Canal, and it tested positive for gonorrhea. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. Of course, the, the photo that they used in the Brooklyn paper... Uh, was a picture of a, a used prophylactic s- <laughs> floating in the Gowanus. That'll do it. Below the headline, Gowanus has the clap. I don't want to know how the Gowanus got gonorrhea. I'm guessing it was...
1: Promiscuous <laughs> with the East River?
2: Yes,
0: it was canal sex.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you were You're just waiting for
0: that, weren't
1: you? Oh, no, man. that just
0: came to me. G- uh, God. Doesn't Gowanus up. sound like a disease? Gowanus sounds like... I have a case of the Gowanus. Yes, it was Fleet Week, <laughs> and I got <laughs> a, a case of Gowanus. So anyway, so like the aforementioned murky rank clap-ridden stream that it oozes its way through the borough of Brooklyn, so does venereal disease. Wind its way through the annals of history. Annals. <laughs> okay. Well, I have a hor- I have a real life horror story to mm-hmm. tell you. Oh, this will be good. Yeah. So it's fourteen ninety five. Okay, this isn't
2: sounding real life. This isn't sounding well. This is for oh, real, life. This is, a real life. this is real life horror was story. Be like Doctor Drew and like love here. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's
0: fourteen ninety five. You have Charles Eighth, King of France. He's fallen under the sway of this general who fills his, heads, his head with, with dreams of reconquering the Holy Land. Charles VIII is a, is a born romantic and he says, Well, oh, that's a fantastic idea. I I should go to Jerusalem and add the kingdom of Jerusalem to my realms, because he had some sort of ancient claim to the title. And he also had ancient claims to parts of northern Italy, including Naples. So he decides to hire a bunch of Spanish mercenaries and head down into Italy. His idea being that uh, he'll reclaim some of these uh, Angevin lands there, and then create a base of operations for... Sailing into the Levant. So his invasion of Italy goes very well at first. It's spectacularly well. And they just plow through northern Italy. These Spanish mercenaries just drive through the north. They get to Naples. They conquer Naples. They go out and they celebrate in the way that Spanish mercenaries would do. (laughs) With wine, women, and song. And it isn't long, though, before they start to experience some horrifying symptoms. It starts off with pustules. <laughs> and I'm sorry, why are you laughing when I say pustules? It's a horrifying thing, but it starts with pustules. They start in their nether regions and begin to... Take over their entire body very quickly. Really, within a matter of days, they start to have skin fall off of their <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing at this.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: That's my
2: fault. I can see Tim when
0: I say, well, I talk about skin falling off this body. <laughs>
1: How did I get so old? <laughs> oh, I'm
2: sorry. So, so the Spanish mercenaries are like, no big deal, leprosy, nothing we haven't. Yeah, they're like, no
0: big deal, no big deal. <laughs> so the disease spreads to their whole body, their faces uh, are disfigured, their noses are falling off. They have no idea what this is. This has never, they've never seen a disease like this. But because it started in their nether regions, they start to put two and two together and think, oh, this, maybe this had something to do with uh, the, the wild fornication of our, of our victory party. And then this proves too much for, for Charles VIII's army. They, they limp back home uh, with what they are, are now calling uh, the Italian disease. And of course... <laughs> the the Italians are stuck with this horrible disease that they are calling uh, the French disease. (laughs) Uh, Back in France... Because the Spanish mercenaries come back with this disease, they are calling it the Spanish disease. And so you actually, when you look in the historical record, you see this disease, which is syphilis. It's pretty much known uh, by one of those three names, <laughs> or the Gallic the Gallic yeah. disease. Not, the, the not French to be disease. Con-
2: confused with the Luxembourgian disease, which is uh, the common cold. So,
0: Oh, really? The Luxembourgian disease? So Luxembourg is responsible for the cold?
2: Oh, you just made that up. <laughs> I'm disappointed. That would have been a great little factoid. <laughs> I mean, with with like what eight listeners, we can say whatever we want, right? Yeah, That's it's kinda, true. Yeah.
0: Syphilis is interesting to me because it is it's the European end of the Columbian exchange, and we're all very familiar with with what smallpox did over uh, in America to uh, to the American Indians uh, and other diseases. Uh, but, but but syphilis is really one of the only diseases that we can point to and say that probably did originate in North America. And, and uh, the timing of it is about right, 1495. Uh, and the fact that diseases that do what they're supposed to do, which is basically, you know, spread to as many people as possible, they generally don't kill their victims as fast as syphilis seemed to do. Uh, diseases tend to evolve to a point where they keep that person alive long enough that they can be spread to to more people. So this suggests that this was a brand new disease uh, affecting people with absolutely no previous exposure to it. Again, you know, there's still there's still debate uh, about whether or not this really. Originated in North America. There are some people who still think this may have just been an old world disease and just a virulent strain, but it's very unlikely to me. And I'm not a scientist, as politicians like to say <laughs> as these Bob days. Yeah, Bob Dole I'm not a, not a scientist. I, I'm not a scientist. But uh, of all those diseases that came from the old world to the new world and and uh, and killed people there, it's incredible to me that that only we can only name one really that that came. In the other direction.
2: Well, you know, are you discounting Montezuma's revenge? Well, there's Montezuma's well, well I, that's true. Montezuma's <laughs> revenge. <laughs> I think that I think uh, Silvulus would be Montezuma's true revenge. Well, um, I, it would actually predate the fall of Montezuma, though. So,
0: oh, considerably. I mean, uh, so when when was that? That was um,
2: fifteen. I'm I'm gonna say fifteen, fifteen, something like that. 15, uh, 18 to 1520 was the conquest of the Aztec Empire. So,
0: Well, you know, if, if, a you, read, Ger- later. if you read, if you read uh, 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 Guns, Germs, and Steel, Jared Diamond talks a lot about the reasons why uh, there were all of these diseases that went from east to west and why there, there weren't as many going west to east. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his theory is that it had to do with uh, domestication of animals, and that mm. that that humans lived in close mm. proximity with animals in uh, in Europe because they had uh, far more domesticated animals. Where in, in the New World, it was pretty much limited to the llama. But yeah, so so anthrax uh, at some point, you know, made the jump from animals to to humans, and smallpox likely came from animals to humans as well. You um, <laughs> uh, Well, stupid. I mean.
1: If you look at the transmission of of AIDS mm-hmm. and what they've traced it back to, the theories as early as the f- the fifties and sixties that um, it was transmitted to human beings from eating monkey. Yeah, uh, actually, that's right. Oh, it was I, it was
0: by actually eating uh, the, the, the 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 meat raw. The
1: the the, the raw meat. Uh, yeah, for hunters. Uh, contracted the disease originally, and or it's either either eating it, or the other theory was that
0: in the struggle with the animals, they were getting cuts. Yes, and then they were butchering the animal, and then yes. it, and then it it, yes. it it got into their their bloodstream. They
2: actually, uh, the Economist had a article about how AIDS first spread, and at least if not actual HIV, um, a direct ancestor was identified in 1920 uh, really? in the Congo. Yeah. And it, it, it kind of stalled until the, it took off on the railroads. And then, of course, on jet airplanes.
1: One interesting thing that, that I read was there is a very small percentage of people uh, in the world who are immune to HIV. Hmm. And they trace that to uh, a pandemic uh, natural selective event of grave proportions Mm -hmm. where, um, and, and they say during the time of the bubonic plague, people actually developed an immunity to plague, which similarly impeded the HIV virus. Those who have an immunity somehow came from that period, from the study of the genome. They were able to trace That particular gene to People
0: um, who have an immunity to HIV now Came out of the the stock of people who had immunity to plague Right
1: That's incredible Yeah, it is fascinating Fever In the
2: morning fever all through the night
1: So Tim
0: Plague (laughs) The Black Death The Black Death let I mean, me. this, is,
1: this is really the granddaddy of all, of all diseases. It really is. And it is uh, something to compress uh, into a short period of this, you know, <laughs> verbose podcast. <laughs> but I would like to tell a story in order to facilitate a discussion about about the plague, which sort of captures... The essence of this disease as something that was capturing Europe, uh, gripping it by the throat with immediacy and, and spread with, with fire across the continent. December 19th, 1333. Princess Joan Plantagenet was born to Edward III and Philippa Hainault. Edward III was a ruthless king. Princess Joan was very special to Edward III. She was, as of that era, a young lady of royalty who was a diplomatic commodity. And Edward III expanding uh, the Plantagenet domain to Spain, facilitated her betrothal to Pedro of Castile. And so in 1348, Princess Joan embarked upon her journey to meet her new prince. And much is written about her journey to the continent. There was great fanfare, and it could be compared to Cleopatra landing in Rome. A hundred bowmen, many veterans of the Battle of Cressy and the Hundred Years' War, accompanied her journey. She had a portable Catholic chapel adorned with all of the the ornate uh, majesty of the time. All of the great bureaucratic elite accompanied her on this journey. It was very important to Edward III. What Princess Joan and the Plantagenets did not realize was that her ship of fate had sailed a year before. There appeared on the horizon some ships off of the coast of Messina in Sicily. It was very ordinary, an October day. Much was going on on the port that day as was every day in in, in these merchant times. Goods were being delivered to the continent from China via the Black Sea. And some ships arrived, bearing a grisly and horrific sight. As dock workers went up the deck to view what was inside, in the belly of that ship was a reiteration of a plague that had not been seen since Justinian's Roman Empire of the 6th century. The bodies were packed high. They were bearing all of the signs of this terrible, debilitating sickness, and people were horrified. They ran and their immediate reaction was to expel the ships, but it was too late. Contact was made and the disease spread. People ran into the countryside to get away, but they spread the disease there. And from there, it went all throughout Europe to Marseille and Bordeaux, and finally to England in 1348. When Princess Joan landed in Bordeaux to complete her journey to meet her prince, she landed in the midst of a city under siege. It was an appearance of Michelangelo's last judgment, living before them. Bodies in the streets, burning. The mayor trying to achieve what he could to get rid of the carcasses of these people. Unknowing. What What could we do? They could do nothing. Princess Joan was dead in three days, and all members but for one or two of her entourage, this ornate fanfare reduced to ashes. And such hence the plague, began from 1348 to 1351. It devastated one third of the population of Europe, 50 to 70 million people, globally 200 million with a global population of 500. The lesson uh, is no paradigm could explain the movement of history in this case. It gave way to the Renaissance, modern capitalism, the uh, decline of the church, the Protestant Reformation, humanism, all of these things were born out of death, not revolution. And uh, that is the story of the bubonic plague.
0: Tim, from what you've read, what, what do people know about its transmission? The people who knew the most, how much did they know? At the time? At the time.
1: It is startling how little they knew. First of all, the incubation period was generally uh, two to three days, sometimes two weeks. So people carried it with them, they appeared fine, and then um, it, it, it was near instantaneous in terms of the debilitating impact, and then death. Um, There was no biomedical uh, science. There was no curiosity about biomedical science. It was immediately a religious Mm -hmm. experience. It was uh, people were being condemned for their sin. Uh, They knew nothing about the transmission in terms of i mean the, the 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 science of the plague it's had iterations beyond that point in the 1660s and in the 1700s actually uh there has been plague as recently as 2011 hmm. uh it, it it's carried through rats uh the fleas mm-hmm. on rats uh rats <coughs> are the host the fleas then trans- transfer to Uh, human beings in uh, the Middle Ages for for merchants carrying a lot of fabric and silks and so forth, uh, fleas uh, fleas embedded in, in, in that material. And that actually helped it spread. But the people had no idea how it spread. I don't think we can end this topic without covering popular causes and cures of the time. You know, we've covered the fact that people thought that this was God's retribution on mankind, that being a cause of plague, of course, logically, you would flog yourself to create uh, a better place for the disease to take root. Um, That would be a cure. (laughs) Um, We've talked about the tragedy of bad smells uh, were considered a cause of plague, which uh, were rectified by a pocketful of posy, uh, crushed flowers in a uh, in a burlap uh, sack, living in a sewer because plague could not live there. <laughs> it's that bad. Um, leeches and bleeding, eating crushed emeralds. Okay. Crushed emeralds, yes. But there are two methods that take the top. Okay. The, because people had
0: emeralds just lying around or well,
1: you know, the top <laughs> doctors of the time had yeah. access to <laughs> f- eating glass, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. And exactly. Um one of my favorites is known as the Vickery method. Uh Vickery was an English doctor who invented this technique whereby you shaved a hen's um, bottom <laughs> and strapped it to your swollen lymph nodes while the chicken was still alive.
2: That's amazing.
1: Then when the chicken got sick, they would wash it and repeat the process until only the chicken or the victim was healthy. But one final one, which I find really interesting. A book was written in 1979 called Diseases from Space. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in which a renowned astrophysicist and a professor of applied mathematics argued that plague was transmitted vertically from cosmic dust. Um, and that was actually something that was laughed at. But some people took it seriously, and that's because they didn't... They were trying to explain why plague spread so rapidly, because of the symptoms and how it spread, either through fleas or physical contact with the buboes, which were um, fulminating sores, Uh, it didn't seem possible that plague could spread that quickly. And in fact, a recent discovery in Edinburgh, where they uh, analyzed the bones of a mass grave from the plague era, they found... uh, traces of anthrax spores and so they believed that there was a concurrence of bubonic plague and anthrax which in in the beginning have very similar flu-like symptoms Mm -hmm. and that would explain the virulence of the disease and the mass spread even to scandinavia
2: clement the sixth personal physician was one of the few people that had to i mean to have a clue at that time meant you Kind of knew something was happening that was not involving Jews poisoning wells or spirits, uh, but he <laughs> uh, actually uh, recommended that the Pope sit in in uh, audience or in his chamber between two fires going at all times, and this worked because obviously fleas are not going to f-ing cross fires. To uh, attack a, a human, so the Pope managed to make it plague-free the entire time due to some uh, probably accidental good advice. Um, the disturbing anecdote, I was going to say, is from the Plantagenets, uh, talking, uh, bringing uh, back to the, the princess Tim was talking about. Uh, the Plantagenets, the book that I recommended last last time, and I'm assuming both of you have read by now, Devoured. Uh,
1: I have bought it. I, bought it. <laughs> I read the st- New York Times book review. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this, this stuck with me because they, she was like 14, and the author said, you know, she died and died horribly, like everyone did. She said, at least he said, at least she wasn't pregnant because uh, a pregnant woman who got the plague would invariably, and I mean all the time in her death throes, uh, deliver the baby so that that would be horrifying um beyond belief, and it's kind of haunted me a while, and I thought I'd haunt you with it too. Oh.
0: So, Ed, tell me about this disease that changed the course of history, perhaps.
2: It did, actually, John. Typhus, not to be confused with typhoid, is a uh, disease um, most contracted by lice. And typhoid fever, actually, which is a little bit more famous, is called typhoid. It was typhus-like because you, like typhus, you get these... uh, some um, blisters on your chest.
0: So that's where the OID comes from.
2: Yes, indeed. So, uh, typhus is an ancient disease, and mostly found in awful places, like war, like concentration camps, like jails. And it really was kind of on the back burner of history. In 2001, in uh, Lithuania, some workers demolishing some communist bloc found a trove of thousands of skeletons. At first, you know, this is Lithuania. This is the, the uh, blood region between Germany and Russia. So, hell, it could have been a number of different things. It could have been World War One. It could have been World War II. They really kind of stopped when they found a franc coin, 20-franc coin from 1805. It turned out... They were the remnants of Napoleon's Grand Armée uh, (laughs) that set off to conquer Russia in 1812. The most interesting thing was, initially thought were these guys slaughtered uh, by the inhabitants, they weren't actually. They all died of typhus. And they found the DNA of typhus from, I believe their molar uh, pulp and Mm -hmm. uh, the bone marrow in in their bones that, that confirmed it. I, I ran into something, that a couple, couple of papers, that really clarified it. Essentially, it's, it's, it's filth. It's lice. Anywhere where lice really congregate, uh, it's a bacterium that uh, is in lice. You, you say, hey, <laughs> Ed, what, what's the deal? Napoleon's had hundreds of thousands of people under arms before. They haven't died of lice. He's marched everywhere. He went to Egypt. No one's died of typhus from lice. So what is the difference uh, when they marched into Russia? First of all, Napoleon's won many um, and lost many battles uh, on the sea and on the land with hundreds of thousands of people. The Grand Army was 500,000 people, which was the biggest army easily since the Mongolian invasions or, you know, the Roman uh, Empire. The key was, wasn't really the composition of the army. It was where they were going through They were going through Poland and they were going through Russia. I mean, and this is 1812, so they really are not, we're not talking about, you know, modern day. But they have the basics of starting to get some sanitation and some rationalization of living in in Western Europe. In Eastern Europe, they're obviously a lot poorer than they are in Paris. To make it worse, the Russians that had control of Poland had pulled back and, you know, took all the grain, everything. So that made these peasants even poorer. But it was something uniquely uh, Polish. There was a superstition. In Poland, uh, it was that growing out your hair. Uh, the the stuff coming out of your hair is evil. <laughs> and curses and witches coming out of your body. And there's something called the Polish plate. And Polish, Polish plate. you said? Plate. Plate. Oh, it is essentially yeah. hair that is one big dreadlock. Oh, God. <clears throat> Just oh. disgusting. One huge mass of hair.
0: I feel and like I see this once a day, at least, on the subway. Yes. In
2: 1812, this was still a hairstyle of peasants it was it was encouraged to get the evil out of course in that hair it was probably thousands of lice so the soldiers going through encountered these lice in abundance the general uh, autobiographies at the time memoirs were just talked about how filthy poland was and the napoleonic army was marching right through it hundreds of thousands of soldiers By the time they got to Vilnius in uh, Lithuania, the characteristic spots started to appear on people, and people started to go sick and go down, shedding people every mile, like the the plague where you get it, you're dead. It, you know, you could survive, but even if you survive, you are worthless for, for weeks, mm-hmm. months. Yeah, I have to say, if I was going to get typhus in Napoleon's army, I'd rather have gotten it right away. Because it got much worse at the end. By um, getting to Smolensk, 500,000 people had been become more like 250,000. Napoleon's generals at the time said, you know, maybe we should in- entrench here. Maybe we should, you know, think about just uh, calling this our border until we are at full strength again and we can reinvade. Napoleon, being Napoleon, who is a, you know... Uh, says, no, that, we're going to keep on going. Eventually, the Russian army the whole time is pulling back, pulling back, pulling back. And Napoleon finally gets his wish. He meets the Russian army in Borodino, uh, one of the four top most critical battles of the whole Napoleonic War. And Napoleon actually wins this battle, but it's a real Pyrrhic victory. Uh, He has a chance to destroy the entire Russian army. He beats them, but the Russian army is able to retreat. I think from Napoleon's mind, he thinks eventually they're going to go to Moscow and there's going to be some sort of surrender. The Russians are not going to put up with that Uh, because they realize something Napoleon doesn't, obviously, that Russia is a million miles long. So they just keep on retreating and retreating and retreating. He gets a Moscow. I mean, they've burned half of it, and everyone's uh, evacuated from it. And at that point, Napoleon is saying, well, there's no supplies here. Our nearest supply dump is in Smolensk, hundreds of miles uh, to the west. He had ammunition there. He didn't have food because there were so many sick people there that he had left. They ate it all. They weren't expecting Napoleon to come marching back, like, hey, where's that food? Oh, all our sick people ate it. It's not here. <laughs> At this point, his 500,000 uh, person army is about 150,000, and maybe 100,000 of those are dead from disease, mostly typhus. They evacuate uh, Moscow, and they are pursued by the Russian army. Uh, The fact that some at all got back to France is a miracle. Uh, They had to actually fight several damn close battles uh, with weakened troops to even make it out of what is now Russia. Step by step, these guys are falling dead from typhus. They're huddled in small groups. Because if you're in the middle of Russia, and if you're on the plains of the Ukraine, you are going to be as close to your fellow soldiers as you could possibly be. You are—you do not have machine gun nests. You have a bunch of muskets, maybe a couple rifles at the time, a cannon that can't easily be deployed, and uh, some picket guards. Uh, you're going to be as close together and as close to that fire as you can. And in that, Lice just bred like crazy. There's uh, stories of... Uh, Uh, this uh, French accountant soldier started just, you know, running around. He pulled off his shirt and they threw it into the fire and it was like a fireworks going on. The amount of lice that were on his his shirt just were popping and flying everywhere. (laughs) So it was a high point for lice. Definitely. So
0: were they putting two and two together?
2: They were putting uh, two and two together um, in that filth and plus Poland (laughs) <laughs> Plus, us being there equal massive diseases, but they weren't really putting. I mean, they were. I mean, because people were dying of other diseases, they were dying. They were dying of cholera and whatnot from eating, drinking water from bad wells. They were dying of a number of other things, typhoid fever. They were dying from, but the the, the bulk was from typhus. At first, if you're going down with typhus. When they're just marching through Poland, you're probably laid up for two, three months. You're probably going to survive maybe one of 10, one of 20 chance you're going to die. You're still in really good health. You have plenty of supp- supplies. It's 1812. They can't give you any, any antibiotics, but you, you, you have a, at least a bed, some rudimentary hospital. When they're struggling back, it's, that mortality rate is probably more like 60, 70%. Sufferers carrying each other and non-sufferers trying to carry them. Malnutrition, dehydration. Of the 500,000 people, um, I believe something like 25,000 made it back to France. And of those, apparently something like 2,000 were able to uh, re- return to active duty. Ed, Just-
1: I, I have a question for you. When you look at this, the, the epidemic the pandemic of typhus in Russia at that time, then there was a, an outbreak in Ireland in 1819. Like Is it coincidence that we're dealing with very cold climates?
2: I think it's, you're, ab- you're absolutely right. I think it's uh, huddling together in enclosed uh, in, in places. Hmm. Absolutely. Huddling together for warmth would uh, increase uh, a typhus outbreak. Lice get everywhere. And they're hard to eradicate. Think about it. The bubonic plague is is uh, fleas, right? Mm-hmm. We, yes, yes, not, yes, We not we you know our dogs get fleas. Yeah. Rarely do people get fleas now. Kids get lice all the time still. Yeah. <laughs> um lice Especially if you somehow here. just yeah, they thank God they didn't have the the black death, but they constantly <laughs> come back. They're survivors.
1: Ed, the most recent outbreak of bubonic plague in North America happened, I think, in 2011 or 2010. A woman in California ran over a squirrel with her lawnmower. And oh, God. And flea, the fleas got on her. Oh, really? Yeah. It's crazy. Ugh.
2: There was actually, um, it wasn't an outbreak, but I, I believe there was a, um, in Indiana, my wife is from Indiana, but... Uh, I believe there was someone, uh, an Indiana kid, teenager, that came back from Peru or Ecuador mm-hmm. and and had the plague, had bubonic plague, what? and died because they did not, they did not, I mean, wow. obviously plague is very curable, but he was in, you know, last stages, but by the time they realized, like, holy shit. This is a plague. Um,
0: You know, it really um, drives home for me how recent a phenomenon it is to be lice free. Well, it's good to be you, John. Yeah. A lot of us don't live in a city with your
2: fancy no lice policy. Yeah,
0: exactly. You know, the rest of the world, even now, I mean, the, the idea that we uh, here will freak out over over lice is kind of amusing to them. My wife and I were in this fencing class, and uh, we had a, a classmate. It's amazing you're still alive. Yes, it is. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll save that discussion for, for the duels episode. F-
1: but we, fencing we, class? We had,
0: yes, I was. The fencing but class. all the
1: things. And, and, and Ed, I, I don't think that they were stealing things. Uh, I think they were actually fighting each other.
0: <laughs> well, we, we were in this class with uh, this, this young woman from, from Peru, and, and our older son had just gotten uh, lice for the first time. And we were just grossed out, disgusted, and, and just in total freak-out mode. And uh, she just laughed. She said, oh, my gosh, I go back home to Peru, and I see my relatives and their hair. It's just sparkling with
2: nits. <laughs> that,
0: was the, that was the term that she used. Wow. She goes, there's just a fact of life and we deal with them. Um, I shaved but, my hair
2: there. Oh, my God. I, I,
0: really I did shave my hair when my son got lice the first time because uh, I I got it too. But um, so,
2: so you were at risk for typhus. Yes,
0: I was at risk for typhus. Um, but my main just, point is, is that John uh, <laughs>
1: hung his hat literally next to my hats. <laughs> yes. And I'm I can li- guarantee you, I'm a little scared. I mean, well, Tim, Tim, look at my hair. right not, now. Not, look, not, look, at, look at my head
0: right now. There is not much not because, left not for, for, the, a lost, for a the, louse to cling on to.
1: The, <laughs> the hat has a B on it, which I don't understand. But it's Brooklyn. It's a Brooklyn Dodgers oh, hat.
2: Brooklyn Dodgers. Sorry, I'm, I was assuming a Fedora
1: or something like that. A Fedora. <laughs> no, they're coming. They're coming. Uh, they're 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 ready to come out. With the lice? No, my fedora's. Oh.
2: <laughs> lice willing ready to spring from John.
0: <laughs> no, the lice have been waiting to move on up to the east side. Lice the out, east baby. side.
2: Deluxe apartment in the sky.
0: Because we're moving on up (laughs) to the east side. So thank you so much, everybody, for joining the Barstool Historian. I want to remind everybody once again about Barstool Historian com. That's BarstoolHistorian, no dashes, no spaces.com. And if you go there, please send us your feedback. No, Just there's a little envelope icon on the top right. Click on that. That opens a form. Send us feedback. We love hearing your feedback. What did you like? What did you hate? Suggestions for future shows. And there's one more request that I'd ask of you. Uh, since our last podcast, we were added to the iTunes podcast directory. So you can actually find us in iTunes. Now, apparently it makes a big difference if you rate the podcast. Even if you give us a bad rating, it helps us uh, rise higher in the podcast ratings. If you don't know how to subscribe to iTunes, talk to your son or daughter who knows about these computer things or your grandchild, and they will sort you out. So on behalf of Tim and Ed, I bid you adieu.